Masechet Gitin, Daf Mem Vav. We have next Mishnah in the series of things that the rabbis did. Mipne Tikun Haolam. Hamosi et Ishto, Mishum Shem Ra, Lo Yachzir. Mishum Neder, Lo Yachzir. If a man divorces his wife because he claims that she was unfaithful, um, but it turns out that it was not true, then he cannot return and marry her. In general, uh, a husband and wife who get divorced, as long as he's not a Kohen, uh, he can uh, remarry her after the divorce, as long as he, she did not marry anybody else in between. So we're talking about a case like that. He is not a Kohen. She did not marry anybody else. Uh, nevertheless, he is not allowed to take her back if the claim was that she was unfaithful. What is the reason? The Gemara is going to bring two reasons. Uh, the first one is because of Kilkul, that he can mess her up. Because if it turns out that actually his claim was wrong, his accusation was false, then he may go back and say, oh, listen, I divorced you because I thought you were unfaithful, but now that I find out that I was wrong and you were faithful, therefore that get is canceled. It was never good to begin with. It was based on a false premise. And therefore, actually, you are married to me and we're never divorced. Now, that's a big problem because it could be in between. She goes ahead and she does get remarried and has other children. And then after that point, he'll say you were never divorced and so therefore you're married to me and all the children you have from the second marriage are mamzerim. And so since that could leave, lead to a huge problem, so the rabbis made me to make sure that a woman will not be in such a, such a situation. We tell the man, listen, if you're divorcing your wife and you're saying it's because she was unfaithful, then you cannot take her back, even if it turns out that the claim was false, you may never take her back. Um, and that way um, she will be totally free and not have to worry that one day he might go and try to claim that the get is no good. Same thing is because if because a neder, if she uh, um, if he comes and claims, listen, I'm divorcing you because you made a neder that I don't like. For whatever reason, he didn't uh, undo it, right? She made some some neder. He's not. She's not going to do this or that. And uh, he says, "I'm divorcing you." Um, and then later on, he says, "Oh, listen, you know, I I, I didn't uh, realize that I could have undone the neder, or I could have went to a chacham and undone the neder. And I, if I knew that, then I would not have divorced you. So therefore, the divorce is on a false premise. But in the meantime, if she got married, remarried, and has children, so now he's going to go and say." you were never divorced from me and give her a hard time and uh, claim that the children are mamzerim. Same thing, that's because of kilkul. Okay, that's one reason. Now, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Kol neder sheyadu borabim lo yachzir v'shelo yadu borabim yachzir. Rabbi Yehuda uh, um, uh, agrees with only half of the second law of neder. He says, if it's a neder that was known and made in public, then that then I agree that he cannot undo the neder. But if it was not made in public, then he can take her back. What's the reason for this? It seems that Biuda has a different understanding of the reason for the takana, which is that the rabbis did not want women to make vows in general. They don't want we don't want anybody to make vows, right? This was just like a popular religion. People would just make vows all the time, right? Hey, God, if you do this for me, I'll do that. If not, then then I'll be prohibited for this. And so this was uh, just not, not a proper way 
of uh, of, uh, of of uh, not a proper approach to God and to um, and to divine service. And so, in general, the rabbis did not want people to make such nedarim. They make it impulsively. They make all things prohibited against themselves. It affects other people, and so on. Therefore, the rabbi said, if a, a woman um, uh, does make nedarim, then she will have she will know she'll be forewarned that the husband, her husband, may divorce her because of that and will not be able to take her back. And so therefore, she'll be more careful. Now, the Biuda says that reason only applies if it's a public neder. A public neder is more stringent and cannot be undone by uh, by a rabbi. Um, and so we really want to make a knas against her if she makes such a public neder. And so we say, listen, you're going to make, a, if you make public nedarim, you're, you're running a risk of your husband divorcing you and never be able to take you back. But if it's a private neder, a private neder, she can always go to a chacham and undo the neder, um, or her husband can undo it, and so therefore that's less severe. And the rabbis are not going to did not make a knas. And so uh, if, if for that case, so in that case, if the husband says, um, "Listen, I'm divorcing you because you made private nedarim," and then he changes his mind, he can take her back. Um, that's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Now we have a, um, further distinctions within Nedarim. Rabbi Meir says, no, the distinction is not between a public and a private one, but rather any Neder that you have to go to a Chacham, in that case, uh, uh, he cannot take her back. Um, but if it does not require chakirat chacham, but rather it's a type of neder that the husband can do himself, then he can then he can take her back. The reasoning of Rabbi Meir is because he's going back to the kilkul explanation that we said up here for Tanakama, and he says if a, if a husband says, "Listen, I didn't know that um, I could take my wife to a chacham to undo the neder. If I had known that, then I wouldn't have divorced her." And if he says that after they're already divorced and after she gets remarried, that will mess her up. That's a kilkul problem. However, if he can undo the vow on his own, I mean, it's a less serious vow that he can undo on his own, then he cannot claim, I didn't know that I can undo a vow. Every husband knows that he can undo a vow. He may not know that the Chacham can undo a serious vow like that. So that's Rebbe's explanation. Rebbe Al-Azad, however, says, no, no, I prohibit in both of in both cases, um, that might be like Tanakama, just says Mishum Neder, it doesn't make any distinction. And so in all Nedarim, uh, we, he does, he cannot uh, take, he, he cannot remarry her. And in fact, he would say, the reasoning if anything, would go the opposite way. According to the B. El-Azhar, it's unlikely that people uh, a husband would take his wife to make his wife go to the rabbi because it's embarrassing for her. He, she has to go to the rabbi and say, I made this vow. It was a stupid thing. Um, and so she'll be embarrassed. And even a husband who divorces his wife still doesn't hate her that much that he wants her to be uh, uh, embarrassed um, and have to stand before the rabbi. Therefore, we're less worried about the husband having to go, ha- having to, uh, uh, less worried about a case where 
the, uh, the vow can only be undone by the rabbi. However, we are worried about the husband who claims that I didn't know that I can undo the vow. If I had known that I could undo the vow, then I never would have divorced her, and therefore the divorce is null and void. So to be honest, that actually uh, disagrees with it to be made on two counts. And uh, number one, he thinks that you do have to worry. Uh, and uh, the, if the husband says, I didn't know that I could undo the vow, that is credible. Bimir says that's not credible. And furthermore, he says, well, that, uh, um, because of, uh, that's the main problem. And because of that problem, we're going to also prohibit the going to a chacham, even though the going to a chacham itself is not a problem. And that's the second thing that he disagrees with Bimir on, even though he says it's not allowed. They both agree the, that going to the chacham type of vow is not allowed. But Rabbi el says it's only a gezerah of the chacham type of vow for the, the husband type of vow. Um, whereas Bimir says, no, a, person, a, a husband would make his wife be embarrassed and go to the husband, go to the rabbi to undo it. And therefore that is actually the main and only Pro, uh, prohibition. Okay. And so now Yosef brings a story it goes the other way around, where it's not the wife that's making a neder, but the husband that makes a neder. Um, this was in the city of Saidan, and he said to his wife, uh, I will take upon myself a prohibit, prohibition um, if I do not divorce you. So he's promising to divorce her, and then he does divorce her, but then he felt bad about it afterwards, and the rabbis permitted him to take her back. So we see that even though previously... Uh, the law was that if a woman takes a vow uh, and a husband divorces her because of that, he cannot take her back. But here, the other way around is okay. If the husband takes a vow and then feels bad that he did that, then they can get remarried. And this is Mipneti Kun Haolam. The Gemara will discuss what's Tikun Haolam. What, that they let him get remarried? How is that helping anybody? He's going to explain that Tikun Haolam is actually going on the Resha of not allowing him to get married when she makes a neder. Um, you see that the whole reason, let's say for Kilkul, would not apply in when the husband takes a vow, because we're not worried that he's going to then say, oh, I would, if I knew that, that only applies if, if, if he's uh, blaming her for something, is oh, if I knew that you, um, that, you would, uh, uh, that you didn't really make a vow, then I wouldn't have divorced you in the first place, or I, I changed my mind about it. Then he can say, oh, it was based on uh, a false premise. Um, but if it's based on his own vow, and he says, I feel bad that I made the vow, then it's not going to be based on a false premise. He's just uh, he's just changing his mind. And so it wouldn't make sense to say the Kilkul reason for um, for the husband. Okay, Amar Rav Yosef Bar Minyomi, Amar Rav Nachman, Vehu Shamar La Mishum Shemra Animosi Ech. Rav Yosef says that the in the the going back to the first case when he says I'm divorcing you because of Shemra uh, because I think you you um, committed adultery, and then he realizes that he didn't um, that she didn't. Then we make a, a we, the rabbis make Tikkun Olam. He cannot take her back. Um, so Rav Yosef says that's only if he specified at the time of divorce and said I'm divorcing you because um, of your bad reputation right you do uh, all kinds of things that are a suspicious activity and I don't like it that's why I'm divorcing you uh, or he says Mishum neder mosiech, or I'm divorcing you because you make too, too many nedarim um, so how come he has to stipulate only if he stipulates that then we have the penalty that he cannot take her back 
כסבה תמה מאי משום קלקולה, והיא אמר לה הכי מעשה מקלקל לה, ואילה למעשה מקלקל לה. So he's assuming the first reason that we said, which is קלקול, um, he's, uh, um, now, uh, he's going to come and say, well, listen, I only divorced you because of Hashem Ra, or because you make too many nedarim. So if he specifies that, then he has a, a, a credible claim to come after. He says, oh, I only divorced you because of that, but now that I found out that it's not true, and it was a false impression, and you really, you did not, you, you were not unfaithful, and you did not make many nedarim, so therefore the get is null and void. He can only say that if he specified that, that was the reason to begin with. Um, but if he never didn't specify a reason, he just divorced her without saying why. So then he has no credible claim afterwards to say, I only divorced you because I thought um, that you were unfaithful. Um, and therefore, if he didn't specify anything, then if he changes his mind, if they both change their mind, they can get remarried. Good. All that was one version of Rav Yosef, but there's another version. Yosef, here it's Sarih Shayomar, a husband, if he's divorcing her because he suspects her of being unfaithful or taking too many vows, then it's not if he says it, rather he must say it. Um, that you should know that the reason I'm divorcing you is because of your bad reputation or because you make this you make uh, these nedarim that you make. Um, and so this, uh, not that, it, not that he, sh- um, if he says it, then um, the law, then the then the fine applies. Otherwise, doesn't apply. But rather, no. If he's, if that's the reason, he the, he should go out of his way and make sure to say it. Why? So this is a second reason, uh, explanation of the law of the tikkun olam in the Mishnah. Um, it's not because of uh, kilkul, but rather it's a kanas, so that woman will not um, to be doing suspicious activity or making many nedarim. Um, and so that's why he has to say it, as a, so that she knows that this is why. And then she'll, you know, she'll go and uh, other people will hear about it. Her, she'll tell her friends, um, and their friends, and the friends will say, "Oh, this is a big problem. I better be careful if I may do uh, suspicious activity, or if I make too many nedarim, then my husband may may divorce me, and I will be, there'll be no prob- possibility of, uh, of remarrying him. So you know what? I better be careful and not do the same thing. Uh, but the, it's not it's not going to be a, a good warning or deterrent if you don't say so. So that's why he actually should go out of his way and actually say so. Good. So that's the um, two um, explanations. Tanya kilishna kama tanya kilishna batra. Even though those were both both of those were two versions of statements of Rav Yosef, we actually have two baraitot that support the first and the support the second explanation. Tanya kilishna kama amad bi meir mi pnei ma amru hamosi et ishto mishum shem ra lo yachzir mishum neder lo yachzir shem ma telech v'tinase leacher v'nimsu devarim badain veyomar ilu hayiti yodei asheke. Okay, this is a, the fullest 
explanation of this of the kilkul explanation and so this is said by the Meir, and he's explaining how come in the mishnah they said that someone who divorces his wife because he suspects her of a suspicious activity um uh, of, of being unfaithful or because she makes a neder how come the mishnah says they cannot get remarried because maybe she will after she gets divorced from the first husband she will go marry a second husband and then the husband will find out that his basis the basis for divorce was not true he was too suspicious but he was wrong and she really did not do anything wrong and did not make nedarim and then he'll say if i knew that um then i would never have divorced her even if someone would pay me a hundred maneh i would never have divorced her and so the get was done on false premises and therefore it is null and void and really she's married to her first husband and now the children from her second husband are mamzerim their rabbis did not want such a situation. Therefore, they said, we tell the husband, listen, you should know that anyone who divorces his wife because of this suspicion, he cannot remarry her. Or, or because of his suspicion of neder, because he, she makes too many nedarim, he cannot marry her. And that way, she will never be stuck in such a situation. So it's really to help her out. We have another Braita that supports the second explanation. So this Braita is by Rabbi El Azar and says, saying, what's the reason of the Takana and the Mishnah? Uh, no, it's actually a penalty to prevent women from doing suspicious activity, a promiscuous activity, or from making nedarim, and therefore the husband must say to her that I am divorcing you for that reason, so that then that will be a deterrent for other people and for the future. Okay, made a distinction, he said, a public neder, which is cannot be undone, in that case, that's um, a very serious one, and he's following the second explanation that uh, we don't want people to make nedarim. So that refers to serious nedarim, then we make a knas. But less serious nedarim that the husband, that are not in public, and therefore can be undone by the rabbi or by the husband, uh, so, then, so those are less serious and you can just undo them, uh, then um, then that would not be, uh, then you can just uh, um, go back. We're not going to make a knas against women that make less severe nedarim, we really want to prevent the more serious nedarim that someone goes and makes in public. So, uh, Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi asks, what's the source of Rabbi Yehuda that, uh, to say that a public neder cannot be undone? Uh, we're going to learn it from the story of the Giv'onim with Yoshua. Yoshua comes and conquers the land and he's supposed to annihilate all of its inhabitants, but then the Giv'onim come and lie and they say, we're some, from someone far away, we want to make a peace treaty. Uh, Yoshua believed that they were from far away and made a peace treaty, but it turned out they actually were in the land. Nevertheless, um, B'nai Yisrael did not uh, destroy them because they made a vow. They, this is a public vow, the congregation. Um, uh, the leaders of the congregation made a vow that this, we're going to make a peace treaty and not hurt you. And therefore, even though in this case, it was uh, based on a, a false pretense. Uh, nevertheless, um, it was a public vow, and they could not—they did not—they could not undo it. And that's how the Biudah learns that a public vow cannot be undone. 
the other rabbis who say that a public vow can be uh, undone. So what, what, how are they going to explain this story and this source? So they'll say, wait, does that Shavuah ever even apply? Since they, since it was based on a false premise, the Giv'onim said, we come from a foreign land, and it's not true. They were not from a foreign land. Therefore, the whole basis of the Shavuah, um, uh, it was false, and the Shavuah does not, did not apply at all. Uh, so now B'nai Israel actually were not under a vow restriction and they could have gone and gone to war with the give give onim but the reason the only reason they did it was because of kiddush hashem that if they did go and kill them the people other people would hear about it and say oh they made a vow and go against their vows you can't trust these israelites they uh they they uh swear and they go against their vow and they wouldn't um uh, be cognizant of the distinction that this vow was actually not a vow because it was based on a false premise um, so just because of Kiddush Hashem, they decided, all right, we'll uphold the the vow, even though the vow actually was null and void. Um, but it's not because, but really, if it was, even though it was a public vow, they could have undone it. Okay, now back to the Biuda who says that you cannot undo a vow in public. How many people makes it public? So Rav Nachman says three, Rav Yitzchak says ten people. Rav Nachman source is from Zava. Uh, it says a, a woman is Zava, she sees a flow for Yamim uh, Rabim. Now, how many days is Yamim Rabim? Well, Yamim itself is plural, so that the minimal plural is two. And Nabim, we're going to add another one, so make that three. Therefore, if a woman sees, um, uh, sees blood for three days in a row, then she becomes a Zava, a Gedola. Um, okay, so that's that has nothing to do that has nothing to do with um, uh, um, people, but the, we learn the word from the word that abim. We learn we learn that abim means three, and so too regarding other cases where we um, you have the word abim, it's going to mean three, and so therefore a vow made in front of abim means a vow made in front of three people, and that is one that cannot be undone. Rabbi Yisrak on the other hand says no, we can learn it from Aida, and that does relate to that story because it says. They made a vow to give on him in front of an Aida. How many people is in Aida? Well, that we learned from the spies, you know, 12 spies, but 10 that were um, uh, that said uh, negative things, and it's called referring to the 10 spies, are referred to as Aida, and from there we learned that. Aida means ten, and since it says here in the Givonim story, Aida here also it was ten because it was with ten people. That's why they were not able to uh, undo the vow, and that's why they did not destroy the Givonim. Okay, so that explains Rabbi Yehuda's opinion regarding a public vow. Next, Rabbi Meir Omer Kol Neder Bechuleh. I mean, the Mishnah Rabbi Meir said that the Takana only applies to a vow that a Chacham can undo, um, where it's credible, but for the husband um, can undo it, then it's not credible that the husband that the husband can say, "I didn't know that I can undo it." Uh, but then we saw another opinion. Tana Rabbi Lazar Omer Lo Asru Sarich Ella Sheeno Sarich. He said the other way around, actually, and uh, in fact, both are prohibited and uh, the main problem is a husband saying I didn't know that I couldn't make a vow that I could not undo a vow I didn't know that I could undo a vow that would be deemed credible and because of that we also apply the takana to one that a chacham said even though the one that's uh, for a chacham would not really be necessary because it's not common 
that a husband would make his wife go to a chacham. Now we're going to explain all that. So what's the machloket between a bimeel meir and a bimeel azad? Bimeel savar adam shetit baze ishto bebetin. Bimeel says when a husband and wife are at odds with each other and they got divorced and all that, then the husband does not is not uh, interested in saving his, the grace of his wife, and he actually well, doesn't mind that even would want his wife to be disgraced in court. And therefore, um, he would have no problem um, uh, having uh, sending his wife to the court, uh, to uh, to a betin or to a chacham, to undo her vow. And therefore, that's the main thing that we are worried about, that he's going to divorce his wife because she made vows. Then he's going to come after us and say, oh, I didn't realize, I knew that I could undo a vow, but this was a serious vow that only a court could do. And I didn't know that I, I could send you to a court and the court could undo it. If I had known that, I would not have, I would have sent you to a court and I would not have divorced you. And therefore, really, you're married to me. So this, uh, this the opinion of Bimir is based on the premise that a husband would send his wife to a court. The B.L. Azar Savad, En Adam Shetit Baze Ishto Bebetin, the B.L. Azar, however, says no, a husband would not want his wife to be, uh, to have to go to court. Um, this machlok applies not only when they're getting divorced, but even before, right? The is saying, um, I would not have divorced you if I knew that I could, I could send you to court. And I would have sent you to court, and that way, you know, save the, save the marriage by undoing your vow. And so, uh, when a husband is upset at his wife for making a vow or something, then he doesn't mind disgracing her. The Azad, however, says a husband would not want to, to disgrace his wife, even though she did something that upset him. He would sooner divorce her for making the vow than send her to a court. And therefore, to be Azad says it's not common that a husband would send his wife to a betin, and that there's no need to make a tikkun olam on that account. Rather, Rabbi Al-Azhar says, there is, he disagrees on another point, which is that the husband um, is credible if he says, I didn't realize that I can undo the vow. If I had known I could undo the vow, I would never have uh, divorced her. Um, and then you know, we then so then we have a problem of kilkul. That's the main thing. That's the main reason why we made it to kun alam. Once we made it for that case, so then we said, okay, you know what? Across the board, even if it's a type of vow that only chacham can undo, uh, still we apply the takana according to Rabbi El Azar. Next, Amar And now wondering, usually uh, the Mishnah a lot of times has a story, but usually the story relates to the laws that came right before, right? Here's some laws, here's a story that shows you an application of the law. But here it's the opposite way around. All the laws were about her making vows and then you bring a story about him making a vow. So there's something missing here. Uh, so we're missing some words uh, of explanation in the Mishnah. And what it means to say is the whole Takana only applies when she makes a vow, then they cannot get remarried. But if he makes a vow and regrets it, then they can get remarried. In fact, it was a case of a husband who did make a vow against his wife and promised that he's going to divorce her, but then he felt bad about it and the rabbis undid it and he was allowed to remarry her.
Okay, because of the betterment of the world, we'll explain those words in a minute. Now, maikunam, what, what does this mean? What, what, is, what would be prohibited? What, was, you know, what would be an example of such a vow? He says, I, all fruit in the whole world is prohibited to me if I don't divorce you. So that's going to be very difficult to never have fruit ever in his whole life anywhere in the world. So then uh, that's the type of vow that he would then have to divorce her. But if he feels bad after, he can undo it. Uh, so they permit him to, to remarry and now we say isn't it obvious um, that uh, that he could remarry why would he not be able to remarry I mean you know, so he made a vow he felt bad about it so then now they undo it so of course he can get remarried right what would be why, why do you even have to tell me the story what would be the logic of prohibiting it? Oh, because we might might have thought that maybe we should make a gazelle because it would be Natan. Be Natan, as we saw back in Masech Nedarim, was the most uh, stringent voice against making Nedarim. And he said, that anyone who makes a vow as if he builds an unauthorized altar outside of the Bet Mikdash. And if you fulfill the vow, it's even worse if you don't, meaning if you don't undo it, right? If you made a vow, it's bad enough. But at least go undo the vow. If you go through with the vow and fulfill it, then it's like you made a kod- ban on the bama um, and so this is a good parallel because just someone making, making a bama he might think that this is a good idea I'm doing extra not only will I bring a sacrifice in Bet HaMikdash I'm going to bring more sacrifices so if you build the bama it's bad enough if you actually build, put, put a sacrifice in the bama then that's really this is uh, this goes against the Torah you're not allowed to make uh, korbanot anywhere outside same thing with someone making a, making a vow he thinks okay the Torah made 613 prohibitions I'm going to add more isn't that a good thing right no it's not a good thing to add more and if you go through with it fulfill it that's even worse right don't make a vow and don't and don't undo a vow and if you make a vow undo it and don't fulfill it so because of that we might have thought that we should make a gezada listen husband if you make a vow that you're going to have to divorce your wife then we are going to penalize you and say that you will not be able to remarry her. you can't undo it so think twice before making a vow and that will prevent people from making vows in the first place so we might have thought that maybe we would apply such a takana such a kanas um, here also but but that's why the Mishnah says, no, there's only a tukun uh, olam when she makes a vow, but not when he makes a vow. Good. Now we ask, how is it, how is it there the betterment of the world that we're allowing the husband to remarry? Right? Is that just the standard uh, halacha? There's no tikkun, there's no takana there. Amar Sheshat, actually going on the resha, the first half that we are protecting the woman. And not so that she won't won't be in the situation of kilkul. And by telling the husband, listen, if you divorce her, it's final. You can't go and claim, oh, I didn't mean it. It's based on false premise. Um, and then that would get her in trouble. So that does help the woman a lot by saying that by making sure that the husband can't undo it. Uh, Ravina says, actually, you can say it is ongoing on the sefa of the husband making a vow case. And but then you have to change the words in a different way and they say in the last case there's no tikkun haolam in the last case in other words when the husband makes a vow we do not make any takana um, uh, he can he can remarry and we can infer from that that in the resha that that is where the 
the resha is because of tikkun ha'olam. Okay, so one way or another, the tikkun ha'olam does apply to the resha and not to the sefa. Next Mishnah is a direct follow-up to the previous. Hamosi et ishto mishum ailonit. Rabbi Yudah Omer lo yachzir. Chachamim Omerim yachzir. Ailonit is a woman who cannot bear children because she never uh, fully developed biologically. And so uh, this guy says, uh, sorry, I want to have children. And therefore he divorces his wife. The law is he is allowed to divorce his wife and he does not have to pay her a ketubah. Now, what happens if he uh, divorces his wife and he claims that's because she is an ailonit, um, uh, and now he changes his mind and wants to remarry her? Rabbi Yudah says he cannot do so. Why? Because we worry again about Kilkul, maybe she will go ahead and get remarried and possibly then have children. Turns out she was not an ailonit, she was misdiagnosed. And if she goes and has children with the second husband, then the first husband will say, Oh, I only divorced you because I thought you were an Ailonit. Now that I see you're not an Ailonit, the get is batel, and actually you're married to me, and your children from the second husband are mamzerim. And in order to prevent that from happening, the rabbis made a takana and said, listen, if you divorce your wife because she's an ailonit, then you may never remarry her. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Hachamim say, no, we don't worry about that, and he can he can marry her. So this is strange, the Gemara will ask, because before in the previous Mishnah, it was Rabbi Yehuda that uh, de- denied the reason for a kilkul. He said there's just a... Um, uh, a, um, uh, a knas, because we don't want people to, um, um, to, to be promiscuous or to make vows. But uh, it was Chachamim there that said the reason of Kilkul. So the, re- the opinions here seem to be switched around. Okay, furthermore, Now, in such a case where the husband divorces his wife because he claims she's an Ailonit, she goes and gets remarried and then has children, right? Maybe it was... Maybe he was the one that couldn't have children, the first husband. Anyway, he has children, and now he and now she says, "Oh, listen, listen, look, I had children. You divorced me for no reason, and you denied my ketuvah because you claimed that I, I was an ailonit. But look, I'm not an ailonit, and therefore I demand you pay my ketuvah now." She has a legal right to do that. However, the Buddha makes a recommendation and tells her, "Your silence is better than your speech. For your own good, you probably don't want to claim that. Why?" Because if she goes ahead and claims, hey, you have to pay my ketubah, that first husband is not going to want to pay the ketubah. And rather than pay the ketubah, he's going to make up a claim. He's going to say, oh, I only, I only divorced you because you're an ailonit. Actually, now I didn't want to divorce you at all. You're still, you're still married to me. Your second husband is an adulterer and your children are mamzerim. And he can, he can do that and cause her major problems. And therefore the Buddha says, listen, you know, what's the amount of the ketubah? $100,000? Not worth it. You're going to destroy your entire life um, because of that. And therefore, better to be quiet and lose out your ketubah rather than put yourself in legal jeopardy. All right, so that is the sefa. Now, we ask, According to this, the, the, the reasoning in Ailonit uh, would be why, would, why you would say, do not return is because we're afraid that he's going to say, oh, you are not an Ailonit, so the get is batel, you really were married to me. 
So here the, we have the Biuda is the one that worries about Kilkul. Chamim, don't worry about Kilkul. But in the previous Mishnah, it was the opposite. In the previous Mishnah, we just read, um, we learned that as someone who divorces his wife because he claims that she is promiscuous or she's making to, uh, making nedarim cannot remarry her. Why not? So that was Tanakama was because of Kilkul. Rabbi Uda said, no, I disagree. And it's not because of that, but rather because of a kanas. And therefore, if he makes a, a if she makes a permanent neder in public, then that's very serious. We're going to make a kanas in there. Otherwise, we would not make a kanas. So you see that Rabbanan, they have the reason of kilkul. Rabbi does not have the reason of kilkul. But here, in this Mishnah, it's the other way around. So to answer this, Amash Shemuel Shmuel says, you should reverse their opinions in this Mishnah. Although it says Rabbi Yudah first and Chachamim second, really it should be the other way around. Chachamim say lo yachzir, and Rabbi Yudah say they're the ones that say yachzir. Now uh, that's that's we have to switch that one thing. Next we're going to ask about the sefa because in the sefa Rabbi Yudah says. Be quiet, because otherwise he can have a claim, and we're going to worry about kilkul. So you see, in the second half, also Rabbi Yudah worries about kilkul. So v'ham digatani sefan. He said lacharib la banim hemen v'hito bat ketubata. Amar Rabbi Yudah omer la shetikutech yafa mediburich miklad Rabbi Yudah hayish lekilkul lekilkula haname ipoch. So what are you going to do about the sefa that says if she marries another? And has children, and then she she realizes, oh, see, I was not an Ilanit all along, and she goes and claims her ketubah. Rabbi Yudah says, better to be quiet in order to not put yourself in trouble, because he's going to rather than pay, he's going to say, oh, I I never I never divorced you to be, to begin with, and that way he also wouldn't have to pay. Um, so you see that Rabbi Yudah is worried about kilkul, and so we answer, oh, we have to switch around here also. It was not Rabbi Yudah, but rather it was Chachamim that said shetikutech yafemediburich. Abaye Amad, the Olam Latipur, Vedibuda, Bahis Sabar Lakribi Meir, Sabar Lakribi Elazar, Besarich Sarich Lakribi Elazar, Besheno Sarich Sabar Lakribi Meir. Abaye says, No, don't switch around the opinions, right? Yes, very difficult to do. You have to switch around two clauses in the Mishnah in order to make it fit. So, no, I'm not going to switch it around. Rather, um, it's all Rabbi Yudah. And in fact, Rabbi Yudah does worry about Kilkul, and that explains Rabbi Yudah in this Mishnah. Regarding the previous Mishnah, the reason why Rabbi Yudah made a distinction between uh, public and private uh, Nedarim is for a different reason. He is worried about Kilkul, and that's why it's, if it's a public Nedar, um, then the husband will say, um, oh, I didn't know, I only de- divorced you because I thought you made this Nedarim, but now I learned you didn't make these Nedarim, so now you're really mine. Okay, that there it's appropriate, but if it's a if it's a private neder, then Rabbi Yehuda doesn't worry about it. Why? Because he he follows the opinions both of Rabbi Meir partially and Rabbi Elazar partially. Regarding sarich, if it's a type of vow that requires a chacham. In that case, he agrees with the opinion of Rabbi Elazar, who said that husbands generally will not want to embarrass their wives and disgrace their wives and force them to go to a chacham. And therefore, that's very rare. 
um, uh, that would, you would have to go to a chacham, and there's no reason to make a takana in that case. Uh, Rabbi Elazar did, did say, we're going to make a takana mishum, uh, the case of where a husband can annul it, but Rabbi Yudah is not going to agree with that one either. So there's no mishum, and therefore he says, okay, I'm not, there's no need to make a, make a tikkun olam if it's a vow that only a chacham can undo, and b'sheno sarich, when it does not require a chacham, in that point he agrees with Rabbi Meir, who says, we would not hold a husband credible if he says, I didn't know that I had the power to undo the vow. Everybody knows that a husband has a power to undo the vow, and therefore, when you divorced your wife, uh, saying, oh, you make too many vows, and you didn't undo it then, that was your decision to not make undo it now, uh, undo it then. You can't come and claim now that, uh, oh, if I only would have known, right? You did know that you could have, you could have, you, you could, could have, uh, undi- uh, undone her vows. And therefore, we don't deem your, uh, claim li- uh, credible, and therefore, we're not going to, um, allow you to declare her, uh, second marriage, uh, invalid and her children, Ramzirim. And so there's no need, according to the Biudah here, right? So according to the Biudah, there is no need to make a takana regarding private nedarim. Public nedarim, that's a, that's a separate story. Um, there, we're afraid that the husband will come and say, oh, you, know, you, you made these nedarim, but then it turns out it was wrong. Um, so then he would go back. So we have to make a takana there. Um, but if it's private nedarim, then we don't worry about the private one, but about the ones that the husband can undo because it, well, that wouldn't be credible. We don't worry about chacham because that's uncommon because uh, he thinks, like Rabbi Al-Nazad, that a man would not want his wife to be disgraced by having to go to the court. Okay, and that explains Rabbi Yudah totally. That's Abaye. Amar Avad, Rabbi Yudah, Rabbi Yudah, Kashya, Rabbanan, Rabbanan, La Kashya. Ravad says, okay, Chazak Baruch, Abaye, you resolved the question according to the contradiction between the two statements of Rabbi Yudah. But what about the two statements of, of Rabbanan in the previous Mishnah? Rabbanan said, we worry about Kilkula. And here regarding Ailonit, Rabbanan said, you don't worry about Kilkula. So now how are you going to solve that one? See, if you flip the, if the, flip the sages around, then you solve all the problems. Babaye, you only solved half the problem. So Rava comes and adds uh, to the explanation. Elama Rava, Tirbiuda, Tirbiuda, Lakashia, Kidashanenan, Tirabanana, Tirabanana, Kashia, Manchachamim, Ribime, Ir, Damar, Be'ainan, Tenai, Kaful, Vacha, Bemaiskinan, Bedela, Kafle, Litna, Sort of explains the ex- the uh, contradiction between the, between the biuda. That's no problem. I'll agree, Abaye, with what you said. Um, however, Rabbanan against Rabbanan also la kashya. Really, the Rabbanan that's in the previous Mishnah. They say we worry about kilkul. That's right. That's the, that's the reason there. They worry about kilkul. Um, but who is chachamim? It is in fact Rabbi Meir. And Rabbi Meir says that when you make a condition, it has to be a double condition. And therefore, in the previous Mishnah, we assume he made a, he did in fact make a double condition. And he said when he gave her a divorce that. Um, I'm giving you this divorce because you are uh, be, because you are promiscuous, or because you made nedarim, and further, and so I'm giving you this get will be valid on condition that you were promiscuous, and if you weren't promiscuous, then this get is invalid, and so he made a double condition. And that's why in the previous Mishnah, since he made a double condition, we worry that then later on he will find out, oh, turns out you were uh, innocent the whole time. And then he will uh, go and have the get undone. And so that's what we worry about. But it's talking about a case where he did, in fact, make a Tanaika fool. In this case of Ailonit, we're talking about a case where he did not make a, du- uh, a double uh, condition. He said, I'm divorcing you because you're an Ailonit. He didn't say, I wouldn't divorce you if you were not an Ailonit. And that's why 
since uh, he didn't make a double condition, he would not be able to undo it at all. And uh, for that reason, we don't have to make a takana. Um, and he, then it, so that if he wanted to remarry, he could remarry because he can't use it against her in a negative way. And so that solves the contradiction between the two statements of the, of, uh, of Rabbanan. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen. Be'amen.